Good morning, church. If you're able, will you stand as we begin our worship? I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my turn till I made. And I was breathing, but not alive. And all my failures I tried.
today. And God, there's so much that goes on in our lives. There's so many things that we're facing. And maybe for some of us, it's, it's just the chaos of every day. It's just the routine. Maybe for some of us, it's, it's bigger. But God, it's so easy. It's so easy sometimes for the devil to come in and to try to tell us, be afraid, to just get caught up in the darkness, get caught up in the chaos. And God, let us be able to say, not today. And as big as it may be, we don't know what tomorrow's gonna bring, we don't know what next month is gonna be, but just let us wake up each day and say, not today. Today I am going to sing that fear away and let you be our light out of that darkness. God, we love you so much and thank you for giving us that confidence in you. Thank you for those people that are here today because they woke up this morning and said, I want to go to church because not today, devil, not today. I am here, and we're so glad you're here. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Before wow. you have a seat, yeah. if you could please say hello to those people that came today and shake their hand and give them a hug and tell them we're glad you're here. Well, good morning. Good to see everybody here today. My name is Billy. I'm the worship pastor here at Hope Vale. Glad you've made it to church. Welcome to church where we're learning to be more grateful and press in more to the things of God and Christ through the Holy Spirit. So glad you're here today to seek those things out with us. And I certainly hope and pray that God just meets all of us in that way. Ah, I just loved Rachel's prayer so much. I feel like I just wanted to start talking and be like, yes, oh, I just want to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> So, so good. Yeah, glad everybody's here today. Hey, if it's your first time here at Hope Vale, uh, inevitably, uh, it could be because Hope Vale's a sizable place. And um, if you're checking us out, glad uh, you decided to give us a shot and certainly hope uh, God might be able to meet you in a special way here. And um, if it is your first time, we have a, what we call just a welcome gift. It's like a little tumbler for water or coffee and things like that. It's right outside the doors uh, towards center at the welcome desk if you want to just go there and snag that, that would be great. And they have welcome packets as well. It tells you a little bit more about Hope Vale. Well, um, it's uh, Martin Luther King weekend. I think we all know uh, the power of Martin Luther King uh, back in the day and the, 
the I have a dream speech and the, the beauty that he brought toward unifying races and unifying people in this nation. So we want to give special honor to that and special shout out to uh, just being mindful that uh, we're continuing as a, as a people to uh, unite and unify and do the best we can to do that. So thank the Lord for Martin Luther King and thank the Lord for uh, where we are today. And we're not done. We've got a long way to go. So uh, keep those things in your mind and in your prayers. Great that days like that come along to keep us mindful of those things. So, Well, ushers, if you would, please uh, make your way forward. Uh, we're going to collect this morning's offering. It's your time to give, your time to give to God. Um, and uh, I, I kind of like to think it's a time to give to God, not necessarily to Hope Vale, but it's, it's your, your gifts to the Lord. Lord talks about in Malachi 3, he says, uh, give to the storehouse, and that's the place where you worship. But he talks about how you give to him. And I think it's a beautiful sentiment because it's not about, um, you know, just being inspired today and throwing an extra nickel in the jar. It's, a, it's the um, thing that God calls us to do because he has, a, he has a mission on this earth and he wants to accomplish it through local bodies. So whether you give here or somewhere else, wherever you give, that's fine. But just make sure you're given to the things of God um, as he encourages us through the scriptures. So I uh, just want to encourage you that way today. So, hey, let's pray together and we'll, we'll continue our worship time. Thank you, Lord, for um, this church. Thank you for this church body. Thank you that we get to give to you. And, uh, Lord, that it's a time for us to be mindful that everything that we have is yours. Everything that we can touch and put our hands around um, and think of is absolutely yours, and you made all of it. So, um, Lord, we just give back to you what you've already given to us to use for your kingdom's glory your kingdom's advancement, and we'll do our, our best to try to use these gifts the way that um, you would see fit, God, collectively as a, as a church body. So um, thank you, Lord, for uh, this, this time to give to you, knowing it's one of the main, <clears throat> main um, acts of worship that uh, people have done for years. So they get together to sing, and they get together for a time in the word, and they get together for a time of sacrifice, a time to offer to you, God, um, back this thing that uh, it's a it's a it's a real open-handed sign of uh, and a gesture of gratefulness to say lord everything i have is yours and i'm grateful so would you take this lord and make it grand the little i have and um so i pray that you do that i pray that with that kind of heart you receive what's being given today it's in your name we pray amen well, we're going to continue in worship together uh, and sing this song. We've, uh, we're bringing it back around. So Chris Tomlin tune, uh, it's called Jesus. Powerful song about the one uh, that's given us life eternal and uh, sings about truths and it sings about how he's the one born for our salvation and so much more. So remain seated while we give. We'll get you up in just a moment and we'll continue in worship. Take us in here. There is a truth older than the ages. There is a promise of things yet to come. And there is one born for our salvation, Jesus. There is a light that overwhelms the dark. There is a kingdom that forever reigns And there is freedom from the chains that bind us Jesus. 
with our attention would you be pleased with the way that we desire to come to church and honor you today to be more grateful to be more thankful that you give us another shot you don't have to because we know who we are when we stand in the light of who we are and see all our imperfections yet you say that you love us and the very sign that we're even here says that you love us thank you for that reminder and would you speak lord today we pray through pastor dan as we continue this first john series that reminds us that you are love and that you are light in your name we all pray and say amen praise god have a seat good morning everyone um no i'm not pastor dan don't worry he'll be here shortly um but my name is Cass Ferris, and I am the, the chairman of the Board of Elders here uh, at Hopevale. And what I want to do today is just take a couple of minutes and share with you an exciting new program uh, that we are, as a Board of Elders, instituting on behalf of our pastors. So we have an opportunity to intentionally invest in our pastors and express love to them in a way that can help them grow as they continue to minister to us. 
So today, um, as we begin uh, this journey with our, our pastors, um, I want to begin, begin by sharing with you, if you're new here to Hopevale, you may not know this, uh, but several of our pastors have been with us for an extended period of time. In fact, you may not know that Pastor Dan has been with us for 22 years. I know he doesn't look like that uh, could be possible, but clearly he has been a, a key figure in us. Would you agree? Amen. Amen. And we have others in our pastoral staff who give their lives tirelessly uh, for us and help us grow in grace and truth here uh, in, in our community. So for that reason, we have a very positive thing that we want to introduce. We want to share with you, uh, in full disclosure from the board, uh, that this is a way that we can invest in our pastors. We will be introducing uh, a sabbatical program here for our pastors at Hopevale. Uh, and the basic uh, tenets of the program is that our pastors will need to have been here seven years, and then they will work with us in an application on a way that we can create a program that will both benefit them in their growth and their personal walk with God, uh, and also will benefit us as a body of believers. So I want to share that with you today, uh, and this is a very, very positive thing. This is a, a way for we as a body to really invest in our pastors, people who love us, and care for us. Now, I don't know if you've ever grown up in a pastor's home, you really understand what happens inside of the life of a pastor, but they really work with us in a, in a wide variety of ways. It's way, way more than what we see on a Sunday morning. And that walk can certainly be challenging at times. So we want to offer this as a time of refreshment, a time of just spiritual renewal where our pastors can get away. If you're not familiar with the term sabbatical, it's an intentional a period of time where a pastor can go and, and to just re, reju, uh, rejuvenate themselves uh, and, and, uh, and draw closer to God with the intent purpose of extending a life with the church down the road. So we want to share that with you. There will be more details uh, on this program in the month of March. We are looking to begin this process uh, with Pastor Dan later in the year. We will give you more of those details uh, as they become available. Please know that, that Pastor Dan is working with us as a board uh, to pull those, those details together. And then beyond that, for all of our pastors that serve us in various capacities, uh, we will look to, to honor them in this way going forward. So that's really what today is. That's it. I just wanted to share that with you on behalf of the board so that you're aware uh, and, and to kind of make that announcement. <clears throat> so after our service... If you have specific questions on this, at the Saginaw campus, there will be a, a number of elders in the hub. Uh, we'd be happy to answer questions. We also have a question and answer document. Uh, feel free to just walk uh, and grab one of those if you have additional questions on this as well. In Bay City, uh, we also have elders who are prepared there uh, to, uh, to answer questions that you have uh, as well. So again, general announcement, this is a very positive thing. And this is a way that we can really speak into our, the lives of our, uh, our leaders, our pastors, and to intentionally love them. I would believe, uh, would you join me? I, we want to make sure that we just, in light of our pastors, realize everything that they do for us. So would you join me just in a quick uh, round of applause for our pastors and appreciation, and in Bay City as well. Amen. God has truly blessed us. Let's pray quickly, and then Pastor Dan will be back to continue our journey in 1 John. God, we just thank you, Lord, that you have brought us together as a body of believers, a community of grace and truth, inviting others to know and to follow you. And God, we thank you for the pastor leaders that you have sent to us to help us grow 
in our ability to do that. So Lord, as we look at these new programs, these new opportunities, these new ways that we as a body of believers can encourage and intentionally invest in the leaders that you have sent to us, we pray that you will bless every aspect of this, that you will get the glory for everything that's done here at Hopevale as a result. And God, we just thank you for that. Thank you for loving us. And thank you for giving us your word and for pastors who can share with us how to apply it. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Thanks, Cass. Thank you, Cass. Uh, I was hoping he was going to say I could start today, um, but I guess not. So here we go. Let's go to the message. Hey, it's great to be here. Dan Davis, Senior Pastor of Hopevale. I want to welcome those of you joining us in Bay City. And as Cass said, we're in this message series that we kicked off last week in the New Testament book of John entitled Confidence in the chaos, confidence in the chaos. And as part of this series over the last couple of Sundays, we've been handing out these journals to help us engage further and deeper in God's Word. So hopefully you've been able to pick one up. You've started using it both on Sundays during the message, but also all throughout the week. Um, and I trust it's been going good so far that you've been able to meet with God as you have engaged with John's words in the scriptures. You know, as part of this series, we've also launched these First John discussion groups and great initial reports. Last week was the first week for that. 15 new, in addition to the 55 community groups we have, 15 additional First John discussion groups with around 120 people involved. It is just phenomenal. Love hearing stories like that and just praying that God will use that in powerful ways. If you do not have a journal or you're interested in joining a community group, it's not too late, or a discussion group, it's not too late to get, in, get on board. We have people out in the lobby at both campuses who'd love to talk to you after the service and get you connected. Last week in the opening message, I introduced you to the theme passage of our series. It is the very reason why John wrote this letter in the first place. This theme is found in the fifth and final chapter of 1 John, that in John chapter 5, verse 13, John gives us his purpose statement in writing 1 John. This is what he says, I write these things to you, looking back at those first four and a half chapters, who believe in the name of the Son of God, speaking of Jesus, so that you may know that you have eternal life. So that you may know you have eternal life, that for those of us who truly believe in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, John wants us to know beyond the shadow of a doubt that we truly possess this too good to be true, God-given gift of eternal life. The forgiveness of sins, the promise of heaven, the fulfillment of our souls. It is real. It is ours. We have it, and no matter the chaos that is swirling around us or within us, it can never, ever be taken away. And so what John wants to really drive this point home with us, because he knows, right? He knows how real life goes. He knows that there's some combination of our fears, our flaws, our faults, our failures, our foes, right, at one time or another are going to try to convince us otherwise, rattle our faith, get us to, to, to spiral down in thinking that this idea of eternal life is just a foolish fantasy. After all, how can you really know that your sins are forgiven? And why do they even need to be forgiven in the first place? And how do we even know there's such a thing called sin? 
And what about this promise of heaven? How can we be sure we're going there? How do we even know that heaven exists? And as the chaos tries to wear us down and weaken our faith, John steps in and he points us to Jesus. Jesus, both Jesus of Nazareth, right? This, John, this Jesus that John shared life with for three plus years as a best friend, as a faithful follower, but then also Jesus the Christ, Jesus the Messiah. The Jesus that John saw up close and personal as a firsthand eyewitness. See, John was there, and he saw Jesus perform countless miracles. John was there when Jesus died on the cross. John was there three days later when they went to the tomb and found where they had laid the body of Jesus empty. And then over the next 40 days, John was there when he saw and talked to and interacted with the resurrected Jesus on numerous occasions. This is John's way of saying to, pleading with us with this incredibly passionate heart, saying, listen, if you knew Jesus like I knew Jesus, if you saw and experienced everything that I did, you would know beyond the shadow of a doubt and would not have single doubts whatsoever about this powerful thing called eternal life. So trust me, Take my word for it, John says to us. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, Jesus, so that you may know that you have eternal life, so that you may be absolutely confident that you are anchored in the unchanging and overcoming reality of eternal life in Jesus Christ because you believe. So that's the foundation we began with last week and what a foundation it is. And so today, as we continue on in 1 John, I want to start by doing a couple things. First, I want to read through our passage for today. It begins in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. And then after we read through the passage, I want to tell you a story. So first, the passage. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. You can follow along with me. Uh, in your journals, like we said last week, every week we print the passage in the journal. You can go to your Bibles, get on your phones, follow on the screen, however it works for you. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, here we go. This is the message we have heard from him, speaking of Jesus, right? John, we speaking on behalf of the apostles. And we declare to you that God is light. God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, though, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him, God, out to be a liar and his word is not in us. My dear children, John chapter 2 verse 1, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Now, we'll get back to this in a moment. 
But like I promised, I wanted to tell you a story. Uh, Four years ago, Kathy and I had the opportunity to take a trip to London, England. London, England, first time for the both of us, pretty sure we told our kids we were leaving out of the country, not sure. Anyways, um, we spent a few days in London, had an absolute blast there, right? Did a lot of sightseeing, and here's what we noticed. One of the best things about traveling to England is that they speak English there. It's pretty profound, right? They speak English in England, right? But here's what I mean, right? That if you travel abroad and go to another country, that's usually not the case. That there's usually a language barrier and it's pretty hard, you know, to figure things out and get around, right? Contrary to what a lot of us Americans think, using hand gestures and just saying the same thing in English louder really doesn't communicate very well. But in England, no problem, because they speak English. And yet, when you go to England, you also discover that sometimes they use the same English a little differently. A little differently. Different words, different expressions, different idioms. And what they say isn't always obvious to figure out. So, for instance, a cue is a line. A loo is a toilet. Uh, Boots is the trunk of a car. To budge up means to scoot over. To have a chin wag means to chat with someone and catch up on the latest gossip. And how about this? Give me a tinkle on the blower. Now, I can't believe I just said that in church, but it's not what you think, okay? It actually means, hey, give me a call on the phone. Give me a tinkle on the blower, right? Like I said, they speak the same English, but sometimes they use it differently. And so anyways, back to our London trip. When we were there, we tried to get around a lot using the London underground uh, subway system that they call the tube. And at a few of the tube stops, we'd go there, we kept on seeing this sign, Mind the Gap. Mind the Gap. Actually, we not only saw it in signs, but we also heard it over the loudspeaker while we were waiting for the next train. Mind the Gap. Now... Actually, you know, I was pretty sure I knew what they were talking about, but I looked it up afterwards just to make sure that the gap they were talking about was the space in between the station platform and the subway car, that there was a space that they don't butt up right next to each other, and the word mind just means, hey, be careful, watch out, pay attention, mind the gap. So as you are going on, if you're not paying attention, you're not minding the gap, guess what? You could step, trip, fall, hurt yourself, or even worse, you know, something else might happen. And so the warning there, just so they're kind of, you know, they're, they're clear and not going to get in trouble, they're telling us, watch out, don't take a wrong step, mind the gap. And ever since we took that trip, I've always kind of remembered that expression, mind the gap. Well, you might be wondering, what in the world does that have to do with the passage we just read in 1 John? It's a fair question, so let me give you my answer. See, if I had to boil down what John just wrote and is trying to communicate in this passage and whittle it down just to three words, my three words would be mind the gap. Mind the gap, that it is in our best interest as Christians to be keenly aware of the gap that exists and to live in light of that reality. Mind the gap, otherwise if we choose to ignore the gap, it is to our peril. Mind the gap, John tells us. 
mind the gap. And yet, here's the difference. The gap that John is talking about doesn't have to do with the space between a station platform and a subway car. No, the gap that John's talking about is much greater and bigger and far more profound. And it has to do with this great gap, or should I say this vast gulf that exists between a holy, perfect God and sinful, imperfect humanity. The perfection of God and the flaws of mankind, and that includes you, that includes me, that includes all of us. John says, you know, there is this big honking chasm between us and God, and the way we need to live is to make sure that we mind the gap. Now, the reason this was so important to John back then is because in the first century, when he first wrote this letter, there were religious opponents out there under the name of Christianity, false teachers masquerading as these spiritually enlightened souls who acted like they had an inside track on God, and they were having this negative influence on the Christians that John was writing to and caring for. And what these leaders taught and how they lived not only undercut the authority of John's message, but it was also leading these Christians away from the real Jesus that John knew and loved. It was undermining their confidence in eternal life that they thought they had in Jesus. Well, this deception both angered, it saddened John, and so out of this fatherly love for these younger Christians who were like children to them, he steps back, he strikes back, and he says, beware of the gap. And see, here's why this is so important for us today. Whether as the first century, toward the end of the first century when John wrote this letter, or it's 2019 in our era today, there have always been people, irreligious and religious, who either try to shrink the gap or deny the gap. Shrink the gap or deny the gap. Shrink the gap by diminishing God bringing him down to our level, you know, and downplaying his perfection or elevating our own morality and saying that we're really better than we are. Shrink the gap or deny the gap and pretend that that doesn't even exist whatsoever. And so here's John. He knows what's going on. He knows that it's wrong. He knows that it's false. He knows that it's incredibly dangerous for us to get sucked into this kind of thinking about God and ourselves and sort of a passionate follower for every follower of Jesus Christ in every era. He tells us to mind the gap, this gap between us and God, be aware that it exists and live in light of that reality. And so let's go back to the passage and see how he does that. First John chapter 1, verse 5, and we'll start where we all need to start, and that's with God. That's with God. This is the message we have heard from him, Jesus, and declare to you that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Like right out of the blocks, John doubles down on the character of God. He doesn't just say that Jesus is 99.9% light, that God is, and there are traces of darkness in him. No, he says that God is 100% light in the most pure and perfect sense of the word. That in God there is no selfishness, no malice, no deception, no deceit, no ignorance, no cruelty, no hypocrisy whatsoever. 
that even unlike the best person you know who can have a bad day or even just a bad moment, that's not God. No, that God is absolute light and in him there is no darkness whatsoever. Now, what does John mean, though, when he talks about God being light? Well, it's this very key theme in the first half of the book. We're going to see it again and again and again over these next several weeks. But back in that day, light was this big term that people were throwing around in religious circles, and it had to do with both truth and character. Truth and character, that light affected how much you knew and how well you lived. In other words, there was this big thirst among people to becoming more enlightened, both in the knowing and the becoming. And so when John says that God is light without any hint of darkness, this is what he's saying. He says that God is and that God possesses perfect knowledge and pure goodness. He's the only one who possesses perfect knowledge, right, truth, and pure goodness, character. In other words, there is a gap. It exists. God is way up here. Or as the Apostle Paul puts it in 1 Timothy, that God is immortal, that God lives in unapproachable light, Paul says, unapproachable light, like we can't even come close to becoming who God is. That's who God is. That's where we start. But what about us? How should we rightly think about ourselves? Well, John goes on to tell us, but this time he does so in this back and forth dialogue between what these false teachers were saying and trying to get other Christians to believe. He's like putting their claims out there versus what's actually the truth. Let's see how that back and forth dialogue goes. We'll start with verse six. If we claim, as they were back then, right, to have fellowship with God, and yet we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. We claim we're like this with God, but we're living in a life that's inconsistent with that. We lie and do not live out the truth. See the disconnect? And remember that word fellowship, what, what we saw last week? It's a word to describe this incredible closeness that two share in a relationship. That it's not just saying you're friends, it's saying you're best friends. It's not just saying that you're married, you're happily married. It's not just saying that you're a Christian, you're saying that you are a vibrant Christian who shares this incredibly close walk with God. This is the genuine fellowship that John wants for us. But these supposed false teachers who are leading others saying, oh yeah, I'll show you the way to fellowship with God. You know, John confronts him. He says, you know, you think you're so spiritually enlightened, but if you walk in the darkness, if you live a morally corrupt life, you're just a hypocrite. You're inconsistent. You're not living out the truth. Because light is about truth and character. It's about what you know and how you live. And those two should line up with each other. So beware of the hypocrisy, beware of the inconsistency, and instead, verse 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, right, that consistency, following the truth and the character of God, we not only have fellowship with God, but we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. John wants us to walk in the light, that we would live in awareness of God's presence, and we would walk upon God's pathways for our lives, the presence and the pathways. Now, John's not preaching perfection here, right? He's mindful of the gap. That's why he reminds us of our sin and selfishness. He reminds us of the pardon and the perfection that is ours because of the blood of Jesus. That his bodily sacrifice on the cross was for our cleansing and was for our forgiveness. And we'll talk more about that later on, but let's go on 
Here's another false claim, verse 8. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. I want you to see what John's going on, that as we go through these false claims, the stakes are getting higher, the claims are getting bolder, and the gap is trying to shrink. And so before, John calls out their hypocrisy and inconsistency. Here, he's calling out their dishonesty and their deception. That if you and I, if we think we're sinless, if we think we're just like God, that we're never selfish, that every motive we have is pure, that every word we say is truthful, that every act we commit is loving, then we're just lying to ourselves, right? Nobody lives a life like that. That's total self-delusion. That's being disconnected from the reality. So don't go down that road, John says. Don't deceive yourself about who you really are and how you're really living. But then the next breath, John also realizes the honest truth about our ongoing imperfections as Christians and how discouraging that can get. Like when we keep on messing up, when we can't stop hurting others, when it seems like we can never make any progress that actually sticks. And so remind us of the grace of Jesus that goes along with the truth of Jesus. John gives us this incredibly wonderful promise in verse 9. That instead of claiming we're without sin, right, making that statement about who we are, instead, this is what he says, verse 9, if we confess our sins, God, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. What a wonderful promise from God to us. Just let that sink in and wash over your soul. Because this verse takes every natural instinct we have about the sternness of God, about our inclination to hide when we blow it, about the fear of being exposed for who we really are. The grace of Jesus takes all that and turns it upside down. And it invites us to be honest with God if we confess our sins. The word confess here that John uses just literally means to say the same thing. Calling it like you see it, right? to name what we've done for what it truly is. See, the heart of confession, it's not so much the words you say, it's just about honesty and ownership. Honesty and ownership. It's us saying to God, I did that, that was me, and it was wrong. Now imagine being that truthful and that transparent with God. Some of you, quite frankly, can't. It's a scary thought. It's your image of God. And yet John tells us when we're upfront with God like that, as believers in Christ, we're rewarded, not punished. That instead of fury, we get forgiveness. That instead of condemnation, we get cleansing. That instead of punishment, we get pardon and purification. Where all our unrighteousness is washed away and we are ushered back into fellowship, into close relationship with God the Father and God the Son. Listen, you need to know that because of Jesus, you as a Christian will always be rewarded in your honesty with God. Honesty with God always gets rewarded if we, when we confess our sins and we're just truthful about the gap, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. He'll purify us from all unrighteousness. It's amazing, isn't it? And finally, one more false claim that John calls out. Here it is, verse 10. We claim we have not sinned, 
we make him, speaking of God, out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. Now, if we're trying to shrink the gap or deny the gap, we claim we have not sinned. We're not only lying to ourselves like we saw in verse 8, but now we're dragging God into this mess. We're making him out to be a liar. Now, this is serious business because the progression here, or maybe I should say digression, is we go from hypocrisy to dishonesty to here, verse 10, flat out blasphemy. We're directly insulting the very character of God, which the Bible says is the greatest sin of all. Now, you might think this is pure nonsense and who would ever believe they're perfect and sinless, but let me tell you that every generation, every generation from John until now, has its own versions of enlightened leaders, teachers, prophets, guru with the allure of super spirituality with the promise of perfection, who look down on normal Christians, tell us we're not doing it right, we're not doing it enough. But John warns us, don't buy it. No, see how they live. Listen to what they teach. No, the way you know that God's word is in you is honesty with God and honesty with yourself about who you really are, about how you really live. And confessing that, not concealing it, is what leads you into true fellowship with God. And so after spending all this time warning us what not to believe, how not to live, John wraps up this section at the beginning of chapter 2 by showing us a better way. And that better way will always lead us to Jesus. John 1 John chapter 1, verse 2, here's what he says. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And I think John is a pure genius here because he ties together these true, two truths that don't seem like they should fit together. So on the one hand, John says... I write this to you so that you will not sin. That us not sinning is important, John says. Us not sinning is important, John says. And he doesn't water that down. And yet on the other hand, he says us not sinning is also impossible. (laughs) But if we do sin, and he knows we will, right? That this side of heaven, we're never going to get it completely right. That even the most spiritual among us are going to have these moments when we choose self-reliance over God-dependence. Our agenda over his Agenda. So us not sinning is important because that's what honors God, and yet us not sinning is also impossible. Why? Because we're still these works in progress. And so because of that tension, John points us to the only hope we have, that we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. The advocate that he is the only one in his perfect righteousness who bridges the gap between us and God. And I love that John calls Jesus an advocate. You know why? Because at the heart of the word advocate, this is what John is telling us, that Jesus is with you and Jesus is for you. That even in your worst, (laughs) you feel all alone or you feel like a failure, Jesus is with you. Jesus is for you. That's what an advocate does. And I know some of you need to know that today so that when you sin, when you disappoint God, that when you, you know, hurt others as a Christian, you're not alone in that. Jesus is right at your side. He pleads your case before God the Father, the righteous judge. Jesus is our advocate. Not only that, but look at what else John says, verse 2. 
that he, Jesus, is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. This statement right here about Jesus being the atoning sacrifice, this is the essence of Christian belief. That Jesus, his sacrificial substitutionary death on the cross makes it possible for us to have fellowship with God. Now this idea here of atoning sacrifice, maybe your version of the Bible says propitiation. It's just this, that Jesus bore the righteous judgment of God in our place. What we deserved, he took on. And that his death fully satisfied the debt we owe God because of our sin. Fully paid, fully satisfied. And we can be absolutely confident that this is so. Because the resurrection is proof that God accepted Jesus' payment on our behalf. He is our atoning sacrifice. Jesus bridges the gap. And by the way, that's not only for us, John says, but that is for the entire world, for those who believe. That's why this message of the gospel, this message of hope is not only something we celebrate together in here, but it's also something we share with others out there. That the good news of Jesus says that there is truly hope for everyone. Everyone. And so as we begin to wind down today, as we think about the gap, as we think about those who want us to think it doesn't exist, let me just say this, a couple things. First, because God is pure light, you must be honest about the gap. You must be honest about denying the gap, downplaying the gap between us and God. It doesn't make it go away, <laughs> right? Now, what's God like? What does John say? God is light, in all its purity, and all its perfection. And in him, there is absolutely no darkness whatsoever. God's up here. We need to keep him up here, right? That's who he is, and let's face it, that's not who we are. Because not only is there darkness in this world, and we see it, right? We encounter it. But there's also darkness in us. That is our reality, and to think otherwise, we're only deceiving ourselves, and we're blaspheming God, John says. And so because God is light and we are not, we need to be honest about the gap. Now as depressing as that is to think about, thankfully it's not the end of the story. Because here's the other side, John says. Because Jesus is sacrificial love, you can be honest about the gap. God's pure light, we must be honest about the gap. But you know what? We can be, we get to be Honesty is rewarded, not punished. Jesus changes everything. Jesus, the eternal Son of God. Jesus, the Savior of mankind. Jesus, the substitutionary atonement for all who believe. And so because he is sacrificial love, you and I don't have to pretend anymore. Jesus invites us into a place of light and love and truth and honesty. And that is true both for Christians and non-Christians. That is true both for those of us who already believe and those of us who have not yet believed. See, John, yes, in his letter he primarily targets Christians, but you know what? He's quick to add that Jesus' sacrificial love is for everyone, for the whole world, right? That's what he says. The whole world, that includes you, the real you, the you that no one else sees, that no matter what you've done, no matter where you're at, his cross Bridges the gap between you and God. And so Jesus invites you to embrace that cross. To make it your own. How? By simply believing up here 
and here, believing in Jesus, not just as the a Savior, not just as the Savior, but as your Savior for your sins. And it's in this kind of honesty and confession where we can experience the grace and truth of Jesus Christ. You know, here at Hopewell, we are committed to helping people take that first step with Jesus, believing in him. So what? So you can experience forgiveness for your sins and fellowship with God. Right? That's why we're here. Please, please, please talk to us. Pray with us. Talk with the friend, the family member who invited you. We would love to help you along your journey in coming to know Jesus personally. But then on top of that, that invitation to honesty doesn't end when you come to know Jesus as your Savior. You know it's just beginning. Because once you are in a relationship with Jesus, once you know you have eternal life, then it's an ongoing conversation of honest confession with God. And it's in that honesty that's going to lead you to and keep you in close fellowship with him. Like I said last week, fellowship is the invitation not to settle for the bare minimum, but to step into the absolute maximum with God. So yes, the reality of our forgiveness is already settled because of the cross, but how we experience that on a day-to-day basis is something we need to have to keep working at, because guess what? We're going to still blow it. We're still going to mess us. And so John says, I write these things to you that you will not sin, right? Perfection is the ultimate goal, but you know what? Pardon is the ongoing solution. Confession is the ongoing solution, because when you do sin, and you will, there is forgiveness, there is freedom, there is fellowship with the living God, and all that's possible because of Jesus. Let us listen to John's words. Let them penetrate our hearts. Let us come out of hiding. Let us step into honesty. We don't have to be afraid anymore. We don't, because Jesus has bridged the gap. Let's pray together. And God, that's our heart. That's our desire. To see you for who you truly are. To see Jesus for who he truly is. And to experience the light and the love that is ours because of that. And God, that means different things for different ones of us today. Some here have not yet believed. They've either ignored the gap, they've denied the gap, or maybe they've been crushed by the gap. Jesus, thank you that you bridge the gap for them and you invite them into life and delight and love. And may this be the day when they truly believe in you as their Savior. And then for the rest of us, God, we don't want to settle for the bare minimum. We don't just want to have a cold, stale, flat relationship with you. No, we want fellowship. And so let us do that by coming out of hiding, by being honest with you, confessing who we are, confessing what we've done, and in that, finding the freedom and the forgiveness and the fellowship that you want to give to us. Lord, we love you, and Lord, we realize all this is possible because of the beautiful, powerful name of Jesus. Amen.
Apostle John wrote a few books of the Bible. He wrote 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and Revelation is the last book. But he also wrote the Gospel of John. And in that he said, uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was uh, God, and the Word was with God. And it goes on to say some more things. And that's the beginning lyrics of this song that we're going to sing about Jesus. And guys, I'm hanging my hat on what Pastor Dan just said toward the end of his sermon and what he said in his prayer. This kind of like coming out of hiding and being honest thing, I think is so good. Um, guys, you can't, there's nowhere you can go. There's nothing you can do that uh, where you can escape um, the understanding and the presence of God. So as we are in his presence uh, together, um, let's just thank the Lord together for who he is and what he's done. And just sing about his name and how beautiful it is. Let's stand and worship together as Melody leads us.
beautiful name it is The name of Jesus Christ, my King What a beautiful name it is And nothing compares to this What a beautiful name it is The name of Jesus What a beautiful name it is The name Praise the Lord. God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. Don't let anyone trick you, bully you into some puny, watered-down vision of how great God is. But because of Jesus, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's why we say our Savior is beautiful, he's wonderful, and he's powerful, and he is all that for you. Amen? Next week, we're gonna continue our first John series. We're also gonna celebrate communion together. As a church family, as you go from here, may you go in the strength and the power and the beauty and the wonder of Jesus Christ, your Lord. God bless you.